Hey guys, welcome back to the OPD podcast with Joe and Austin as always and our special guest today is Mr. Will Carver who is also the newest sponsored athlete onto the Metaform team. You guys know that Metaform are probably our longest time sponsor so personally I've been friends with Will for a long time and I've followed his progress for a long time so and he's a lovely guy so I was so glad to see him come onto the same team as me and Austin in this podcast. That was absolutely awesome. So Will is a real top class bodybuilder. Um, I saw him compete this year at the PCA European Championships. Looked absolutely epic. He has a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience, a lot of stuff that we're going to dig in today and get into some home truths about bodybuilding. But before we do that, let's uh, just dig into some background on you, Will. <laughs> I think you've picked me up pretty big there, man. <laughs> Put some high expectations on people. <laughs> That's my job, man. No, no, I mean it. <laughs> Right, yeah, no, you you know I'm all about transparency, bro. So um, I'm um, I'm very happy and, and open to talk about anything you know you ask me about. So uh, let's do it, man. What yes, do you want to know? Well, I remember following you right back when you were 21, back over at the. Uh, this was before bodybuilding really made it to social media, and it was still board-based stuff. Uh, how old are you now, Will? Uh, 26, going on 27 this year. So you were um, logging over at GH15 when you were 21. And I remember very yeah. much you then. You were kind of in a position where I thought, wow, I'd, I'd love to be where this guy is. And I remember really specifically. <laughs> yeah, today I'm having a Cornish pasty. And I was like, what the fuck? How does this guy look like that eating Cornish pasty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Back yeah. in the days of following the Bible of the line of Judah. Oh, that was a while ago. Bread and pineapple days, mate. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, pineapple obsession was hilarious. But was you ever on the GH15 Austin? Yeah, so I've... I, I, I haven't... you remember Austin? Um, I didn't frequent um, that board specifically, but, I mean, I think anyone that was familiar with the forums pretty much knew the legend. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I would argue I would argue that you weren't really a true forum member of any kind if you don't know who GH fifteen is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, so yeah, Will, I was following your progress over there for a long time through your first contest prep when you were being prepped by Alex, who we've had on the podcast as well. Um yeah. so if you could give us a brief rundown of how you got into bodybuilding and uh, what, how, how many shows have you done and, and your progress through the years. That'd be awesome. Oh, blimey. Um, well, it's, getting into bodybuilding, it was kind of, um, <laughs> it's a little bit kind of like um, a little bit darker than, than what most people are used to. Like, you know, they kind of pick up the weights. But um, my mum used to be in quite an abusive relationship when, when I was younger. And I remember being, you know, absolutely tiny and, you know, scared of everything. And I was, you know, I was very shy when I was younger, not compared to how I am now. Mm. Um, and uh, my first idea was seeing superheroes on TV. Well, if I get massive, who, who's going to fuck with me and, and my family? <laughs> so um, I remember my uncle, he got me uh, one of those York weight, uh, York dumbbell sets, the plastic ones with the cement in them. You know, the ones you'd, always, you'd drop and the cement would fall out of them every time. Yeah, over a couple of years, you'd have like a 10 kilo plastic dumbbell, which actually poured about eight or nine kilos, half of it falling out. Yeah. I started lifting in my room. I must have been around 10 years old or something, doing push-ups, ups, dumbbell curls. And I, I still kind of, um, <laughs> I still put put down my um, kind of pretty thick, dense chest just doing hundreds of push-ups when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I started sneaking in the gym. I think I was, I was in my teens and, uh, that was kind of it. I, I played a lot of rugby and, uh, I remember I did really well at rugby. I, I played Colts. Um, I became captain of the team over in my town and then started looking up to kind of progress into other more competitive teams and I kind of ruined my back a little bit. So it put me out and it doesn't matter what I did. I kept on trying to get back into rugby and I couldn't, it was just injury after injury. So I just stuck with the gym. And I remember watching Pump and Iron for the first time. I must have been, oh, I think I was like 15 or, no, I must have been around 16. 
I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So <laughs> that was it. And then um, I remember watching Flex Lewis as well in that first documentary he did. Um, and uh, that kind of said it to me. I was like, yeah, I want to do bodybuilding. And uh, ever since, I just started smashing it in the gym. I think around my first cycle when I was about 19. Mm. Um, and that was very much an informed decision where I'd done a lot of research. I'd already spent quite a few years kind of developing a base for myself. And um, I was like, well, you know, in the long term, in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, long term, I'll probably, for health reasons, look to be on TRT most of the rest of my life anyway. So I was like, well, you know, let's go for it. And I, I remember my first cycle, I think it was, I think it was like, uh, I think it was like 400 megs of tests, 400 megs of DECA and 25 milligrams of D-Bowl for the first two weeks. And I just ran the DECA and test right through and I, I blew up. I really did. I blew up like a fucking house. Um, and then for the next couple of years after that, I'd, I'd, I'd always had like a little bit of an eating disorder and I, I went through a really rapid stage of, um, it started out, to be honest, it started out with getting really lean. I wanted to be really lean. And so I got really big. I was like, right now I want to get really lean. And it became an obsession. And um, this obsession was a cycle that was never ending until the point where I've, I've hospitalized myself a few times. And um, <laughs> coming out the other end of it, I think it actually benefited me quite well because I, I had to learn. I had to learn to eat again. I really had to focus on nutrition and figuring things out. And um, I also had to become very comfortable with being able to put on weight mm. and seeing my body transform. And um, that's exactly what I did. You know, I, I, got, I got to this point where I was like, well, I, I, can't, I can't keep on being like this. Um, I can't keep on being skinny. If I want to be massive and shredded, you know, I can't, I can't keep starving myself. That makes no sense. Mm. So uh, slowly I kind of just started implementing more food, becoming comfortable with it. And I really did become comfortable being able to put on weight, knowing that it really didn't take long for me to get into shape if I wanted to. Because I had this, this outrageous metabolism that came out of nowhere. And um, over the years, I really learned how to embrace that and use it to my advantage. And then I'd already always thought about bodybuilding and doing a show, of course. Um, but as, as like anyone, um, often you'd know you always want to step on stage the first time looking like a pro bodybuilder, don't you? You always want to step on stage looking the best you can, which is never going to happen. You just got to jump into it. And I remember Alex, I was, I was talking back and forth with him, Alex Shinus, um, and he just, he just turned around and said, Will, stop fucking about. Get on stage. So we picked a show. It was the it was the juniors for the UK BFS World Champs, and we went for it. And um, the first time I got on stage, and I never looked back. But I loved it. And yeah. um, on from there, um, I spent two years, disappeared, put on some good size, came back, did the Welsh again, as uh, it was uh, intermediates, and I won. I won. I won my class. Um, and the juniors, I came third um, two years before. Then I did the Brits, came fifth. Um, and that was a very, that was a very odd show. That was a really odd show because it was, um, it was the last year the UK BFS were handing out pro cards. And the show was ran awfully. And it, I really left that show with like a, a bitter taste in my, in my mouth. And so ever since 2017, which I, when I last competed in the UK BFF finals, I did a lot of fucking about, honestly. Um, I did a lot of fucking about the last two years, not sure if I wanted to compete again. And um, <laughs> that's when I got interested in. So I, I spent two years doing a little bit of powerlifting, a little bit of bodybuilding, not really sure where I wanted to go. And then, what was it about two months ago now? Um, was the, uh, South, the Southwest PCA? I think I was about 20 days out. I was 20 days out. It was a Sunday. And um, I was in kind of my standard off-season shape, which isn't bad, but, you know, isn't great. And you, you and me were joking about it, weren't, weren't we, Joe? Yeah. And um, you said you should do it. And I just, I, I remember having my breakfast, which was buttermilk pancakes and a couple of whole eggs, 
<laughs> and uh, a bunch of honey and a banana. It was about 1,800 calories or something, which was my standard breakfast at the time. And I was lying in bed, just as I am now. And I went, fuck it. Let's get on the Stairmaster. <laughs> so I got on my van. I got over to the gym and I got on the Stairmaster. And I was like, I'm going to fucking do it. 20 days, I'm going to smash it. Um, and that's what I did. 20-day prep. Went in southwest. Got a nice little little second place finish, which was, in the, uh, funny enough, you know, at first, I was kind of joking to myself, like, I'll do it for pants, you know, see how I like it. And um, I think I was about three or four days in when I decided I'm going balls out on this. Like, I'm not just going to, like, cruise it in and look kind of good. I'm going to see how good I can look in 20 days. And, um, yeah, I spent, I spent those last what, uh, 16 days or so pretty much just crash dieting, doing as much cardio as I can. And um, I, I came away from that show remembering why I love bodybuilding. Um, and uh, I tell you what, you know, Ryan Alexander um, and Warren, they, they, they put on a hell of a show. Mm. Um, they really do know how to run a show. I know, I know that everyone will have their differences to say, but I came away from that show then, fucking hell, what have I been doing the last two years? Yeah, no, so, I agree. Yeah, so I um I felt great and I was like, right, two weeks two weeks from now, um I'm gonna be on the strom stand at Body Power and there's another show there. So Rich was at the Southwest and uh, I said, No, you mind if I know obviously I'm gonna be on the stand, do you mind if I compete? And his words were I'd kick you in the cunt if you didn't. <laughs> and uh so uh yeah, that was it. Um, got another pair of trunks, took them with me, and uh, did the Europeans, and you know that turned out all right. My my aim was honestly, I was being realistic with myself. I was like, if I can do a top three, the time I've had and the level of competitors that are going to be there at the class they are, I'll be really happy with it. And I got the top three. You know what most people go into a show going, you know, I want to win, but I was being realistic. I'm a very, I can step outside myself, look at myself, and I can be very realistic with what I'm, you know, what. The situation I'm approaching and um, I said top three that's what I've done for I got it came away happy and the main point is I know exactly what I want to do moving forward now and um, that's just absolute bodybuilding so definitely got a goal ahead now well. for next year and I'm really excited about it yes so I'm kind of uh, backtracking just a little bit um, yeah sure yeah, I like this story. You're a good storyteller. Some people, <laughs> some people aren't. But that was, uh, yeah. Thanks for the background. But what, going back to how you got started in, in the yeah, yeah. the eating disorder, um, I because I I've I mean I think that's that's actually a lot more common than people think. Like that draws because of that oh. they trait. You know, it's of course, and it oh, seems yeah. and it seems like a healthy trade-off right because now you're going for something that is making you eat copious amounts of food but it's still structured so you kind of get the best of both worlds and did you yeah. if you don't mind me asking because i know a lot of a lot of the folks that i work with that would have that background of like anorexia would then end up once they have come to terms with the fact that they do need to eat more would then potentially struggle with you know binge eating as well um yeah was that something that you ever had problems with you know it doesn't matter whether you have an eating disorder or not if, if you're in this industry where it's looking good day to day um yeah. you're gonna you're gonna struggle with putting on weight and eating food mm. yeah um yeah but it's it's coming to terms with and i've 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 talked to people about it because i can see um there's, there's certain tendencies that people have of eating disorders. You can spot a mile off. Yeah. It, it, can be, it, can be, it can be as simple as someone that posts their food up every day. You notice they use the same spoon, the same fork, the same plate every day. Right, the same one. It's simple things like that. You just notice little things that you used to do. Um, and it, and it's, I always say to people, you are essentially taking a step back but you're taking two steps forward, but you have to become comfortable with knowing that you're getting out of shape to get yourself in shape. You know, you yeah. can't chisel a pebble. You just have to learn that you, what you're doing right now may feel like you're, you know, regressing or digressing or, you know, looking worse off, 
but in the future, this is going to make you look so much better. You know, so it's not about the here and now, it's about the where and when, you know? Yeah. And um, so there's, there's benefits to taking a step back or, you know, quote unquote step back because you're not, you're improving, is you can focus on improving other aspects of your life, which I'm a big fan of. It's not just improving in bodybuilding. I'm a fan of improving as a whole, which I've talked to Joe about before. So improving your relationships, your family, your friends, um, your relationship with food, your career, there's things you do outside the gym, things you do outside of bodybuilding. Those are things you can all focus on and that's the time to do it. When you're off season or you're progressing, you've got the energy to do that. Mm. You've got the energy to multitask and you don't have to focus on the hours of cardio that you have to do. So yeah. instead of thinking about it as you're moving backwards, you're not, you're moving forwards. You're always making progress, but you just got to be consistent with it. And it's the people that, you know, will cut, bulk, cut, bulk, cut, bulk are the ones that are never going to make progress. You just have to drill it into them, um, that you are making improvements. It's just, it's just, you've got to, you just got to bear in mind, you're not going to see it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you, like you said, you have, you know, when you're working with a client that has those tendencies, you, they have to see the value and, you know, in what they're doing. Course, yeah. And once, you know, once and the, and the problem is even if they're, logically if you see the value there's such the emotional component that you have to it's for me I and mean, in working with people in that realm is just you you have to get them to detach that emotional connection first and foremost like once you can yeah, do that yeah, yeah. yeah i mean once you can do that any logical person is going to see well i can't be in a calorie deficit and gain muscle you know i mean that's pretty cut and yeah, dry of course yeah. so but i just asked because I, I i wouldn't say i come from the same background uh, but I did come from a wrestling background, which is, you know, obviously like weight restriction all the time. And I was drawn right into bodybuilding. Yeah. My first several shows, I had a very, very hard time accepting the fact that, you know, I had to put on fat and, and what have you. And it's funny because now I literally, yeah. Joe and I were talking before the show, before you got on. And I told Joe, one of the first things I'm going to do is try to put on this initial five pounds of fat or so. So I feel better. That's my first goal. <laughs> yeah. You know, whereas, you know, six, eight, ten years ago, I would have thought that was obscene. Like that was just a crazy idea. You know, but, you know what? I did I did exactly the same after the body power. Um previously I was, you know, I I, I you know, I'm I, I'm not weird or restrictive by any means after a show because I don't have a tendency to have massive pissed edema in my ankles, in my ankles, which some people, you know, suffer from after having a couple of pizzas the night after the show. You know, you've, you've seen people that that happens to. But um, I'm quite fortunate. I rebound quite well. But this time around, I was like, I'm not going to restrict myself post-show. Um, obviously, I'm not going to binge. I'm not really a binge eater. But I just wanted to get comfortable again. Um, and I wanted to, I, because I dieted so even though it was a short period, I dieted so hard and I did so much cardio, especially for my body. Like normally I can, I can diet into a show on four and a half thousand, five thousand calories with almost no cardio. Um, and I'll be refeeding every couple of days. Um, it, I felt drained. Like, like I felt everything was sucked out of me. Actually going into, going into the last part of the Europeans, um, some a couple of people asked me how I felt, and honestly, the the way I felt physically was exactly the same way as I felt when I had a breakdown when I when I had the worst of my anorexia. Um, but, I, but I was mentally prepared for that because I knew I was mentally putting myself in that position, so I was fine with it. But as soon as I came to that show, that show, I was like, I just I just want to get a ton of calories on me, try and get a layer of fat on me, and just feel healthy again. They'd be able to get back to work and feel normal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and yeah, of course there's context there and it's not somebody with somebody with a faster metabolism is, is just not going to have as much problem with like the binge eating, for example, because even if you, even if you do overeat, there's not that negative connotation yeah. because you're not going to get fat anyhow, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously like the people that have, just shitty metabolism they're gonna struggle with that mental you know that, that portion of it a little bit more but i meant to ask um 
Well, and another thing that kind of struck me that you said too was the way that you kind of got into shows. And I see this, like I see this trend, obviously, you know, you don't want to jump up, just jump on stage with no base and you don't want to compete three times a year and never make any progress. But I feel like there's a lot of people too, that they wait, they wait till the perfect moment. And there is no perfect moment and they miss out oh, like, and, and they think, you know, I'm going to wait till I'm a, I'm a heavyweight and I'm going to, you know, win this national show. I'm like, dude, you're missing out on, you're missing out on all these years of experience. And, and then realistically, like you, you, you'll have such a short competing window. I've, I've competed since, you know, for 10 plus years and I don't regret doing as many shows as I've done. I mean, because I like competing, you know, so I feel like I, and and I've taken necessary off periods to make progress too. But at the same time, there's so many people hell bent on, I'm going to take a six year off season so I can be 250 pounds on stage. I'm like, well, then you'll have five years left in your competitive career. Have fun. Yeah. You know, so that kind of struck me when you said that. Um, I think there's definitely a fine line. Some people just miss out on a lot of uh, good experiences. Mm. Yeah, you, you often see obviously the opposite where guys that spend a couple of months in a gym or girls and uh, they want to do a show. You know, there's, there's, there's like two extremes. You know, people that I want to wait until they look like a pro, like you said. Um, and then these people that just want to do it for fashion. And uh, that still shocks me as well. Yeah. Yeah. The both sides are equally as troublesome, <laughs> but I'd, I'd go with dumb. But, um, yeah. yeah. Good word. yeah. <laughs> fine. Dumb works. <laughs> well, I, um, can I come in and, and slightly change the subject here? Um, yeah. So I want to talk a bit about metaphor now that you're on, you're on the team. Yeah, sure. Um, so I know in the past that you used like, oil-based enhancement. So what sort of stuff? Oh, yeah. So what sort of stuff did you use? I'm assuming it was like MCT. Um, yeah. So I think I think the first experience I had is I I, I spent an obscene amount of money on Sinferal. Um, um, and for what you get is is ridiculous. Um, and um, I I actually remember thinking back right now. I actually remember the first time we used it. And um, yeah, I could barely bend my arms. <laughs> so yeah, the the initial place was my arms because my arms have never been that great. You just put in um, your biceps or your triceps as well. Yeah, so I think I think back then I was doing I was I, was, I think I was following like the is it the, the Palumbo, um, the Palumbo routine where it's like one one cc for one day for for seven, for ten days, two for ten days, three for ten days. And I did that in my, my, yeah, 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 disgusting. So, um, I did that in each of my biceps and each of my, each of my triceps. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I did that for a little while and it was just, I I didn't think I really got much out of it, to be honest. Um, and I just got very sore arms. Um, and it was, it was a big problem. Do you have much sort of scar tissue left over? Um, well, I, def- I definitely did, you know, um, and, it, and it was after that I actually started making my own, um, which was MCT oil-based, which is, if, if you know how to make it, it's very simple mm. and it's very cheap. Um, and uh, after using a decent amount of that, I, I definitely started to notice scar tissue. Um, just going to my, my, um, my massage therapist, um, you know, she would go with my arms and just bruises would just come up left, right and center. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously, I, I mean, I'd heard about Metaform. It was actually, I was talking to Ben Chow, uh, back in 2018 at the body power, um, him and Luke were on the stand and, uh, we had gone to Emporium and I think we we're talking about sight enhancement and, um, ben had bought, bought a metaphor, and it, I think it was it was fairly new at the time, and I'd, I'd just about heard of it, and you know I heard of this water based sinful, and I was like, oh, that sounds crazy, it sounds ideal, because it sounds really easy to put in, but I've got I had no idea what it was about. Um, obviously, um, I've been given a, given a bit more background by Ben Chow, and then um, yeah, because Luke's the- sponsored for the longest time, so. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So uh, obviously I ended up watching some of his videos as well. And then 
you know, talked to you and had some, had some, uh, you know, research given to me on how beneficial hyaluronic acid is. And I was like, Jesus Christ, if this helps with scar tissue, it's something I'm really gonna have to try. And, um, it's funny since day one, I remember I've got a slight tear in my, my left long head of my bicep from when I was uh, fucking about with Atlas stones up at Rich, Rich Foster's shop. <laughs> yeah. What was the Atlas stone? <laughs> Yeah, so that's a story in itself. Basically, they had an event on, and uh, they had these Atlas stones. I think one was like a, a 40, one was a 60, and then one was a 140. And uh, they're like, right, so uh, whoever can lift the stone um, up onto the block wins a prize. And it was, it was like a cover Stimulax, and obviously I'm an athlete. And uh, my, just, my ego had a bone, and I was just like, I just want to lift it. You know, <laughs> so um, Jack... Uh, his name's Jack on on Instagram. I think his name's Jack the Bison. He um he'd been trying to lift it all day, and I, I've been watching him. And uh, I went for it, and then Badger kind of ran me through. Badger Brunning is Welsh strongest man, the official Welsh strongest man. Um, he showed me the technique. I, I tried it once, and I was like, that's a bit awkward. Then I got it the second time, and it was actually a really good lift for a first time doing Atlas Stone. And I was like, yeah, cool, got it. I was like, wicked. So I walked away went off this like seminar that's going on upstairs and came back and they're like oh jack's lifted it so will if you can do it twice in a row you win and i was like yes so like, wicked so i went to lift it and for some reason i went to lift it with all my bicep and it just went pop and uh even gigantor who's one of rick's uh lads that works in the shop um he's Johnny, quite big that is his real name yeah his mother um, called him dragon <laughs> yeah, yeah he was like fucking hell was that your jeans i was like no nah, that was my bicep oh. <laughs> he, he heard it rip and uh yeah i've kind of got a little divot and i remember the first day i did metaform in my bicep i did it in the outer head and it just perfectly rounded off where that divot is in my bicep and um every week i use it that divot just kind of slowly disappears yeah, and um there's um there was a lad not long ago in the uh the metaform facebook group who had some kind of nerve disorder that had caused some level of like muscle wasting on one side and yeah he had a completely like uneven peck like a complete asymmetry and he completely filled it in with metaform it was the craziest thing i've ever seen wow that's crazy um but yeah no it's unbelievable stuff i mean I, I go to my massage therapist now and she can go up and down my arms and i don't get any bruises um any bleeding um and they just feel good you know like I, they, they function a lot better my pumps are better um i just it's unbelievable stuff i i'm one of my buddies that um use my code he, he messaged me back and forth because he's had a dodgy shoulder for years and he hasn't been able to compete and he's got a ph phenomenal physique um, he ended up ordering something. He said within a week he was shoulder pressing again. And I was like, I was like Jesus Christ, man, I'm like shoulder pressing already. And then two weeks later he's messaging me and he's like, mate, I just can't thank you enough for putting me onto this stuff. And I was, I was like shocked myself. I was like, I know this stuff is, is wicked, but like that's, that's a miracle, you know? So he's, he's, he's really happy. He's been, he's been back in the gym smashing it. He's looking to compete um, next year, I think. Um, so I, I just keep on getting stories back from friends that have been ordering it and just in, in injuries and lagging parts, just, um, yeah, seeing good results. Sounds it's, like we're on Sam's payroll at this point. It sounds like I'm the best salesperson in the world, but it's actually like legit, like un, it's, it is unreal stuff. Yeah. It's, it's hard because when people don't know anything about it, you try to explain it to them. When you when you pitch it like when you talk about it like this, they obviously think you're just yeah, full so of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but the thing is, but the thing is, like once you understand how it works and the fact that there there really aren't any downsides to it, um, it's it's a no brainer. I mean, there's really not only from the healing properties, but just the fact that you you can't really mess it up. I'm not saying you yeah. can't. Obviously, like you could clip something on the way in, maybe cause, you know, whatever. But I mean, it's like, why would anyone want to use an oil-based SEO at this point? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
yeah, I completely agree. So this probably leads us nicely into some general PEB talk. So, oh my, I know, boys, strap in. Right, so <laughs> obviously Austin can't talk much about this. He's US based, so Austin, 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 Austin he doesn't get involved with this stuff. Um, but we're completely within our right to talk about over in the UK. So in Austin's case, it's all hypothetical. But um, Will, being a sort of, you know, up there, level in bodybuilding, big guy, successful, come a long way. Talk us through what general kind of drug use, because this is what people, you know, really want to know. And, and you know, bearing in mind that everyone requires X amount according to their biological individual response. Maybe just personal anecdotes of what you've done. Because I remember back in the GH15 days, I, had, I, I remember seeing you doing maybe upwards of four or five gram total blast over yeah. and things like this. I was, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was a bit, um, <laughs> I was probably a bit misleader back then, to be fair. Um, if I, if I and this is what I want to talk about because I think, I think that's the biggest takeaway of the GH15 era was that if you weren't taking at least 700 milligrams of trend a week all year, you weren't doing it properly or, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. And, you know, if you're going to run over a gram of test, then you absolutely have to use 15 units of growth hormone with it, you know. Oh God, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I remember, you know, that there'd be like levels of, of status of manhood from the amount of trend you were taking. So 350 was like nothing, 700 was you're, you're becoming a man and, over 1200 milligrams of tw- trend a week, you're a god status. <laughs> like, I remember reading that shit back then and being like, fuck, you know, I need to get some trend in me. And now I'm, if I, if I saw it now, I'd just be, I'd just be like, I was like, what wanker wrote this stuff? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I think if I, if I did those kind of dosages now of trend, I'd run into some serious issues, that's for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, realistically, those kind of dosages I was doing then are the, are the kind of ones that would be more realistic now with the kind of tissue I have. But even then, like, um, I only push things for a certain amount of time. Um, there's not really a massive need to push that amount of that, that amount of grams for extended periods of times. Um, I'm very much about, you know, phasing making phases of, you know, well, breaking things down, you know, so um, you've you got to give your body a rest, not just, you know, hormonally, but physically, you know, amount, amount of strain you're putting on your tissue and your organs when you're trying to push that, that amount of gear and food, you know, um, you know, I, I think most people know by now I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of blasting and cruising. That's, that's how I do things. Um, and I think you need to look at most of what you're doing in that way as well. So training, diet as well, you know, your digestive system, it does need a rest and training. You need to learn when to be able to back off as well. So, you know, synchronizing everything, you know, it's always a good idea. So at the moment I'm kind of doing, uh, eight to 10 week kind of blast of a higher test, a bit of nandrolone, um, injectable d-bowl keeping it really simple pushing foods pushing training and at the end of it i have a little bit of a clean out um pull back on my training a little bit just to give me a bit of a rest and um i'll keep my calories high but uh, just tidy up a little bit you know throw some of the junk out some of the processed food um try and regain some of that insulin sensitivity and at that point i'm not really looking to gain weight i'm not looking to lose weight i'm just holding it Mm. um because a lot of people, you know, they do this two steps forward, one step back when they're, when they're bulking. And I'm, I'm a big fan of pushing up to a weight, getting comfortable and sitting there for a bit. And then once you're comfortable and you've got everything in place, like the blood pressure, your lipids are good, you know, your bloods have come back good. Um, you're comfortable again, uh, cardiovascularly, you know, you're also, you know, not out of breath when you put your socks on or going upstairs. And then you push again. And that's that's how that's how I like to do things anyway. Yeah, said so I prescribed a similar 
um, mindset. I mean, not just because most people, they can't linear, you know, in a linear fashion, push up and up and up without some kind of negative yeah. feedback eventually so it's like you know once you start getting that negative feedback that's when you need to hold let everything regain homeostasis and then push again yeah i completely agree yeah and it's and you mentioned too with with the dosages and joe and i have talked about this as well it's like and obviously there's a lot of inter-individuality but at a point you just create so much systemic stress that you're going to end up looking worse and having you know and you're going to end up having just more side effects than than benefits at that point. So, yes, I, I completely agree. It's like um, so the way the reason why I've got things structured at the moment is you know like I'm running a, a large amount of tests, and that's because I know I can handle it. Um, whereas if it was a bit of trend or or a large amount of Deca, it would be a completely different story. Mm. Um, so I've got that NAMS run in there for joints, for health, to feel that little, get that little bit of water on me. To protect my body from injury um also you know it's brilliant to be gaining weight um so that's in place for that reason and there's not a huge amount there it's just enough to give me that comfortability of putting on weight um whereas the testosterone is is the main kind of that's my main compound um it's always been it's always been my um my bread and butter of a uh, staple of, of um of bulking for me personally it's always done the trick and um you know don't don't fix what ain't broke that's what i always say yeah i agree i agree and i i had this discussion with josh bridgman on a podcast the day before like when people get obsessed with exotic compounds and stuff designs like everybody wants to use dhb or trest it's like okay in the case of DHB, I'm pretty sure we have zero human literature on it. Testosterone has been researched for so long, has so much efficacy behind it, so much data. And we know that it does what it's meant to do so well. Why bother with yeah. things? <laughs> yeah. Like, why? So, yeah. And I completely agree when, you know, they get to a point of dosing where the, the toxic load overtakes the neurotropic benefit of the drug. Which I mean, it's probably for most people somewhere between two to three milligram per kilogram per week, and past that, yeah. you probably get a very limited return on investment. Yeah, you know the thing. The thing is, of us guys as well, is we all come from a background of when we when we started in the fitness industry, there wasn't really a lot out there, and there wasn't a lot of people apart from on the forums that were open and honest, like pros are today or people that are well known. Will have a large following so all these exotics that come out you know we're always going to be interested in whereas it's it's lucky for guys that are kind of starting off now there's so much transparency and openness that you know that luckily they've got the that hopefully they'll come into the knowledge that keeping the basics is, is the best thing to do but i think for us because you know we're we we all kind of read the magazines and it was always just supplements and we wanted to know what the real deal was we wanted to know how much growth hormone they've taken and how much of this and then you know when jh15 posts up these ridiculous cycles of pros which almost most of them were bullshit was like 20 compounds long um it was exciting for us because we 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 didn't know what was going on you know whereas now it's 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 pretty obvious that it's all pretty much the same thing you know most most pros are just taking the same stuff you know, it's it's not really any different to what any amateur is taking. <laughs> you know, there's really not a significant difference apart from it's all the other the little things. You know, like the the IV treatments and obviously the, the amount of therapy they can get each week with their chiropractors, physios, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are the things that are really going to make the difference. That's that's a, almost exactly what I was just going to mention too. Is of course, like human nature, we want to optimize, right? So if there's something we think might be better of course it sparks our interest a little bit, right? I mean, that's just, yeah, yeah. that's just human nature. But at the same time, the people that get so hell bent on, and I get this cause I do a weekly Q and a on my social media every single week. I'll get, what do you think of this, 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 and this, and you know, these exotic compounds and different things. And, and I could go through and just make a checklist of all of 
the basic stuff that they're not optimizing right off the bat. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, yeah. And, and, and those are normally the types of people that you're getting and normally the types of people that they might not even like, they might not even have an idea of how to track what they eat. I mean, it yeah. could be, and, and that might be an exaggeration, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it is actually for the most well, no, probably not. I mean, and you, you and I have talked about it too. It's not, it's prevalent. It's a lot more prevalent in the UK than it is in the U S I think to be the whole, um, and like infatuation with the compounds and stuff just because of, you know, accessibility and different uh, laws and different things. And it's like, but at the same time, it's everywhere. You know, I mean, there's so many other things that we can optimize, um, you know, stress, sleep, digestion. I mean, all of these things that people, they don't even, they don't even put any, you know, any thought into any of that. They just want to know what compounds to take, which is, it's like, you know, running before you know how to walk type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. agree. So yeah. further, further to that, Will, um, so your stack design, you like the high testosterone, bit of nandrolone in there. Um, any ancillary use or growth hormone or insulin in the off season? Indeed. Yeah, I do. I do run growth hormone. Um, uh, nothing it, it will depend like any, anywhere between four and eight units depending on how I'm pushing it so if I'm kind of like on a kind of maintenance phase I'll, I'll run around four in training days I'm really trying to push things around eight but um, honestly you know I, it's, I still think growth hormone is a massively massively overrated product that's you know really put on the pedestal yeah. um, people still think of it as like you know wonder drug and i really don't think it's it's all that amazing um i i you know i still find peptides fucking amazing you know um i could i, I could probably have no problem transferring over, over to peptides and um you know doing just as good and um, with a decent um peptide protocol um but growth hormone so accessible and cheap to the right people it's just easier to do um rather than using a million miles of peptides uh, which can be a pain in the ass having to dose them every day um, and then insulin my body loves insulin I can I can literally go from looking pretty normal to looking like a freak within a week just running some insulin um, it's always been um, a brilliant staple for me it's, 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 it's always it's funny because it's always like double-edged sword because I, I do have I'm, I'm massively health orientated and even though you know you know, insulin itself isn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't really strike me as something that's really impacting my health. Um, but just in the grand scheme of things, like for me, every time I'm chucking more stuff in, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, like I'm just, I'm just like a giant drugstore store walking around. And um, it, it, is, it is one of those things that massively changes the look I have. Um, and I think most people that tolerate carbs really well and can really take on a lot of carbs usually find the same thing as they have to run insulin. Mm -hmm. They find it hard to put on weight, you know, so that insulin becomes kind of um, massively important in an off-season. So you, um, it, it, it can make or break my off-season, that's for sure. Sorry, Austin. And no, so you're, well, you're taking all the words out of my mouth here because you, you mentioned... Um, I noticed something similar in terms of the people that get a lot of benefit from insulin. Obviously with insulin, the biggest thing we're just controlling blood glucose levels, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the biggest, and it, and it has the synergy, the IGF synergy with our, with growth hormone. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I definitely noticed that there are different, um, uh, I'll say body types. I and mean, that's not the term that I really like, but definitely different, like, soma types that they get a lot more benefit from it and yours yeah. is yours would be one of them whereas some of these guys like some of these guys that have well they might have a slower metabolism like i genuinely have these guys that put on muscle really easily and they're just insulin factories mm. you know yeah they're, they're just natural insulin pumps they don't need it yeah and, and you know and, and those might be the people that you have to that might be, become insulin resistant because they just get fatter easier, but yeah. at the same time, they're also the people that just have 
high endogenous insulin production. So, you know, they just don't quite see as much benefit from it. They actually would may probably see a little bit more benefit from like controlling hepatic glucose. So things like metformin and, and GDAs and all that. So, um, oh, that's energy yeah. that you mentioned that. Yeah. Massively beneficial. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I can, I can run insulin for, a, you know, I, I can, I, I can happily quite push up to six to eight weeks. Um, and that's when I'm, that's when I get a bit nervous. I'm like, right, I need to take a break, resensitize, but then I can, I can do my glucose in the morning and I've never been over six on my glucometer. Um, after an insulin run, it's always been under five. Well, I can't see anything uh, about insulin causing insulin resistance. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe artificially masking any signs of it by, again, artificially bringing like blood glucose down and not addressing what's creating the insulin resistance. But if you control for that. If anything, I've yet to actually see, and, and you and I have talked about this, Joe, I've, I've yet to actually see anyone in a relatively lean state that has had hyperinsulinemia either, even using like a lot of insulin. I mean, I'm talking people that use, you know, that'll use 60 to 100 Lantus a day plus rapid and, you know, rapid acting insulin and, and still they would have a normal fasting insulin level. Well, yeah, again, uh, in that case, that's interesting. Be taking in a lot of carbohydrates. So if anything, the insulin is going to yep. be some stress off of, off of these pancreatic beta cells, which are going to ultimately improve insulin sensitivity over time. Yeah. And you'll get, you'll get some of the people that are very pro pro insulin. Like you take someone like a, like Colette Nelson type one diabetic. And she, if you were to talk to her and I'm not going to put words in her mouth, just from, I know people that have done consults, like she would go as far as to say, you shouldn't even use growth hormone without insulin. Yeah. Or, you shouldn't even eat a certain amount without the use of insulin because you know, you're doing more harm than good. Yeah. Especially, especially these basal uh, long yeah. insulin analogs that are used in anti-aging clinics around the world. Now, I mean, that'll be very normal soon. I think so. I think I'm curious to see where it goes in the next five to 10 years. So I think because growth hormone has been, you know, toted as anti-aging, but I, I would almost argue that, these basal, you know, insulins are going to have as much or more benefit um, for preventing just because that high circulating blood glucose, it's just so damaging to all the tissue in the long run. Mm. But I know that's off track a little bit, but yeah, I think we share a similar thought there. Yeah. I'm one of those that gets on really well with insulin and I can, I can eat a lot of carbohydrates. Like, as you know, Austin, I can really, talk. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Outside of, outside of you holding some water, I mean, you're like fucking Buffalo. the most watery person ever. But <laughs> actually, I could. I mean, there was a point I was taking like 80 units of Lantus with rapid through the day. I didn't gain any body fat. No, and and the funny thing is, like, even with the water retention, I mean, your your kidney function and blood sugar was, or um, kidney function and blood pressure were fine. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, but. I can't wait to get back to that, man. After this cut, I'll be like, get the Lantus out of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's funny enough, it's, not one, it's, it's one thing I haven't experimented with a lot is, is Lantus. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm going to look at doing uh, this, this time around. Because uh, it just seems that it's so much more beneficial. We're so uh, and you've got that permanent resensitization of growth hormone receptors over a 24-hour period. Um, it, I mean, if you believe any of the cell culture data, it's got a massively higher binding affinity IGF-1 than any of the other insulin analogs. And it's just so easily controlled for you. Single dose at the beginning of the day. And low and slow always works better for hypertrophy. You know, it's so inacute. If you've got this going all day. Yeah. I'm a big fan of long-acting insulin analogs for sure. And it's because it's really... It if you just look at how our actual, our actual pancreas works, of course we secrete insulin in response to meals, but people don't realize like how much basal insulin we actually produce on our own throughout the day, throughout the course of the day. Yeah. 100. And 
it's a lot. It's well, it's a lot. And, and that's, and that's the thing. And people see these Lantus doses and they freak out. And but when in real, all reality, we're probably just replacing what we would produce endogenously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's not like, it's not as crazy as you think. And like you said, it's not, we don't, and hypertrophy is not acute like that. So these people that want to just push massive amounts of rapid insulin and miss out on controlling all that hepatic glucose output or they're just missing such a huge benefit. Yeah. And I think people are scared of it because it sounds like it'd be more dangerous, but it's the opposite. It's so easy to control, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not like, I know what, what was the, uh, the lethal, <laughs> the lethal dose is like, is like a thousand units at one time with no food. <laughs> or something <laughs> <laughs> like something. <laughs> uh, guys have shot like five whole pens and not nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm gonna try. There's pop. There's there's honestly only one thing that I won't ever take again that I've taken once. I thought was going to kill me and it's the mp um that I, I i did it once and i'll never do it again ever and anyone that ever tries talking about it to me i slap them <laughs> yeah i got on okay with dmp when i used it but i only used a very low dose oh i didn't <laughs> i was young and i was stupid i used and, that uh, day yeah i was like i think i, I think i took like a 250 milligram tablet Three hours later, I was like, oh, "I ain't feeling this. Let's take another one." I think I did the same three hours later, and then I, and then that evening, I I, I was uh, I had the foot fan on full blast with an ice pack on my head, um, <laughs> genuinely thinking like um, I was going to die, um, and I felt like that for about forty eight hours before I started to come back. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I ain't never touching that stuff again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd use DMP again just because. Of the cosmetic effect kind of got me down. Yeah, I am. Um, that was that was a long time ago. I must add, I'm not that stupid anymore. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny when people say, "Yeah, I take a thousand milligrams of DMP a day." It's like it's not really. Fuck me. Yeah, there's no, there's there's no way in hell. <laughs> whatever whatever you're taking is really underdosed, or you're just lying. <laughs> yeah, 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 a hundred percent. Yeah, you'll be in hospital. Your your internal organs will be melting if you take a thousand milligrams of DMP. So, Will, I won't take up any more of your, your precious evening tonight. How about you give us a quick rundown of some future plans? Right, yeah. So, um, I've I've got a few things I've I've got to work on. Um, I've had a bit of a dodgy back for the last two years, which I've kind of pointlessly been um, trying to figure out with. Um, the help of a chiropractor that couldn't really get, get to the bottom of it so managed to find myself a really good chiropractor and did a myofusion scan straight away and actually found out I have mild scoliosis which has actually been it's just a lot worse than what it should be just because of the impact of the amount of muscle I have on me now um, it's compressing the spine a lot more um, also my uh, my job has me driving a lot and at the moment the, the vehicle I've got is a little bit cramped so getting a bigger van, going chiropractor every month. Also got a mild shoulder injury, which we're sorting out at the same time. So hopefully in about a month or two, my back should look completely different. Um, and that's one of the, it's, it's, it turns out it's one of the defining factors of why my posterior chain has been so difficult to bring up mm. over the last two years. So, well, that's, that's at least what I'm hoping. So um, fingers crossed, um, this time next year, my posterior chain will be that much better. So that's the one thing I really want to work on. Um, I'm going away to Poland uh, at the end of the year to get um, surgery to get my nips cut out. Um, not not mass. Big fun. Are you going to Medimel? I am going to. I think it's Mayo. Oh yeah. Right. Um, yeah, a couple couple of my buddies have been there. Said some really good things about it. It's not massively important for me to get it done, but it's it's something I I actually got it naturally as a teen. Um, I wasn't fat. I just and I wasn't taking gear back then. I just I just developed 
lumps under my nipples and it's, it's obviously never got any better. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, and I'll be doing it in the future. So it's just, you know, it, it really doesn't cost that much. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to get it done. Get out of the way. Um, and uh, the goal is um, I would like to be 110 kilos on stage. And that's going to be next year. Nice. That's that's the kind of goal I'm looking at. This time out. It's about it's about ten pounds of tissue I'm looking at. Um, and um, luckily I'm very responsive. And um, when I actually put put myself, you know, when I actually decide to go on a plan and stick to it, I I, I am very responsive and I, I you know I, I adapt very quickly. And to be honest, it's been I don't think I don't feel like I've ever had a proper off season since I started competing. Mm. Um, not one where I've actually got uncomfortable, you know. Because realistically, you will start to look uncomfortable, feel uncomfortable in an off season. And um, I'm comfortable mentally with that now. Mm. Um, I'm I'm very comfortable moving forward and knowing that I'm going to become uncomfortable for a bit um, to be that much more improved next year. So. Um, yeah, I've got a really nice plan structured up until next year, and I'll be looking to do a show towards the tail end of the year, at least, or at least a string of shows. That's yeah. awesome, man. Do you want to um, do you want to plug yourself, your social media, or anything before we go? Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, I think most people that know me know that I've been with Strong Nutrition for a couple of years now. Um, Rick's. Rick's my main sponsor and I couldn't say anything better about him. His products are outstanding, which you, you already know, Joe. Yes, um, and uh, he, he supports me to no end. Um, obviously, Metaform have taken me on and they've been amazing, um, very supportive and just uh, you know, really want to see me improve. And um, if you want to get some stuff, um, Use my code, which is SuperSave20. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Iron Eagle, um, who do my posing trunks, and Babbitt's um, been a massive, massive support. Um, she's going to be helping me with a lot of things over the ne- over the next year. And um, also, I'd like to give out. I'm not an athlete with these guys, but I'd like to give them a shout out anyway. Um, is URCL um, peptide Psalm, CBD oil. All for research purposes only, Joe Jeffrey. You know that. I always say that. Yeah, I I, uh, I would also <laughs> like to recommend Umbrella for everybody that has animals that they run research yes. experimentation on. The um, of course, I work with the guys over at URCL as well, and um, all of their research um, chemicals are absolutely top notch. So if you do have a rat that you want to um, improve their aerobic capacity with some cardarine or a pig that you want to create yeah, funny, some growth hormone. Funny, funny enough, Joe, uh, I had a mouse recently that had a really terrible leg injury. Yeah. And um, Chris sent me a bunch of TB500, worked a charm. Yeah, my, um, my canary has recently started doing an hour of cardio at a higher intensity <laughs> on his rest days. So he's been using the cardarine and he tells me that it's brilliant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. but of course, this is only animal. Day. What, what, what kind of what kind of what kind of dose does your canary take of cardarine? I'm interested. He uses uh, about about two milligram per kilogram. <laughs> he's a big hundred kilo though, so you know, big, big canary. That's one, that's one big fucking canary. Massive. Mate. <laughs> yeah. he uses all the other anabolic agents as well so Jesus it would be big yeah fuck me yeah you can tell I, him, can't you? <laughs> I, 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 I hope he's on support max strong nutrition he's, he's all, your, all your organ needs <laughs> yeah if Rick wants oh, to see you know he's well up for yeah. it <laughs> all right thanks for coming on will it's been awesome chatting to you man no it's been wicked thank you so much it's uh been good talking to you as well austin mate 
Yeah, nice, nice. Well, meeting you. That's as close as we'll probably get to meeting. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. As always, please check out the sponsor links below. Check out everyone down there that supports the podcast and allows us to keep making these. Please give us a five star rating if you liked it, or to be honest, just give us an honest rating over there on iTunes if there's stuff we can improve. Uh, please let us know. And um, give us your feedback as always, guys. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next one.